Aloha from Maui, Hawaii. Good morning, good afternoon. If you're in Europe or England, good evening. And welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Michael Benner with you until about 1.30 this afternoon, Pacific Time, 4.30 in the East. About 25 or 30 minutes with this free intro. And then we continue the topic or the theme for the week in a premium training that follows for those who have enrolled uh, beginning at about 1.30 Pacific time. So hopefully you've enrolled. You can join the rest of us at 1.30 when we move to the premium training. And to get the URL and the password for that site to enroll, simply go to our home website, theagelesswisdom.com. That's the W's dot the agelesswisdom.com click on webinars and then on premium training and you can enroll with your bank card for a single class or a 13 week term or a full year getting a deeper discount depending on how many classes you sign up for and that takes about 60 seconds the thank you page will give you the password and the URL and you can join us then at 1.30 for the in-depth training this would be a good one this is one that is uh, going to have a lot of practical benefits for you, some skills that you can develop for, and I think this is interesting, both physical and emotional pain. You know, the similarities between the two is something I want to talk about up front in the uh, first 25 minutes here in the intro, because I, I, I think this is an area of pain management sometimes called pain control, that is usually ignored. I mean, psychotherapists have their approach to dealing with emotional hurt, but they don't really call it pain. They usually don't call it pain. Maybe when you're sitting down with a counselor, they'll acknowledge that your emotional hurt or your upset is painful. There's a famous quote by Aristotle that says that emotional pain is often more severe than any physical pain that you could suffer. But the word pain is often not applied except to physical stimulus uh, that we perceive as pain. So physical pain we're familiar with, emotional pain we're familiar with, but we tend to call it other names. Uh, We'll call it hurt. Uh, We'll call it upset. It often manifests as anger or frustration or some degree of irritation. Technically, this is the relationship of emotional pain to fear. And that all negative, so-called negative emotional feelings, are feelings that hurt. They're painful. That's what makes them negative. And they're all rooted in fear. In other words, it's always about something you do not understand about yourself. Uh, This is confusing to most people who believe that their emotional pain is done to them in the same way that your physical pain is done to you. Well, there's a certain degree of truth to that. But notice with physical pain how quickly we take ownership of the pain after it's been done to us. Let's say your physical pain is caused by some sort of injury. All right, let's say, uh, what was that woman, Tanya Harding, that 
hired a bully to kneecap <laughs> the other skater so that you wouldn't do well in the uh, in the Olympic tryouts. Uh, so this this bully walks up to this woman, I forget her name now, and uh, takes his tire iron and whacks her on the knee. Right. Well, she howls. She goes into pain. Of course, she's been injured, and it's clear enough that this has been done to her. Nobody would argue about the fact that the pain was done to her. But you see, once you are injured and you're experiencing the pain, it's your pain. So to be technical, the stimulus of the pain was done to you. But pain is a response. And that's the first and really most important lesson that I have for you today. Even if you're not able to make the premium training in about 25 minutes, what's the takeaway? It's all around the idea that you have control. Maybe a lot of control, maybe a little control, but you always have some ability to manage pain because it's a perception. It's a response to a stimulus. And you might say, well, I don't see the difference between saying the stimulus of the pain was done to me and the pain was my response. Why can't I just say the pain was done to me? Well, then you're a victim of the pain. And the only thing you can do is seek some other external remedy like drugs, right? Or uh, some uncalled for, often uh, uncalled for surgery that could lead to even more pain and more discomfort. All right, well-intentioned, but it often makes things worse. Like people that have these knee replacements or these these hip replacements, and they go from from pain to even greater pain with these replacements in their bodies because they don't fit right, they don't work right. Um, I suppose there's some people that get a benefit from it, but you always hear the horror stories, right? And so the pain can get worse. By taking responsibility, however, you have empowered yourself to choose a response. If you see the word response in responsibility, in fact, the word ability is in there if you change the I to an A, the ability, ability, the ability to choose a response, that's your responsibility. It's not about self-blame. It's about personal empowerment. Now, let's go back to the idea of this woman being kneecapped, all right, with the tire iron, the skater. Uh, she could easily say, this guy with the tire iron, that Tanya Harding, uh, Tanya, what was his name, Tanya Harding, hired, uh, he caused the pain. He did it. So I want him arrested and thrown in jail and prosecuted and held responsible for what he did to me. Well, that's all fine. But it doesn't mitigate the pain, does it? You might argue that she gets some satisfaction from that, but it doesn't impact the pain. You say, well, of course not, because the pain is from the injury that was done to her. Yes, he caused the injury, but the pain is her response. And when you're experiencing pain, to remember that, that the pain is your response 
that gives you the ability to respond. That gives you choices. That gives you options to manage the pain. And we're going to talk about how to do that a little bit today. In fact, in the premium training, I've got some slides and a three-step process. I'll tell you what the steps are. I just can't explain it until we get into the premium training. I want to give you as much here as I can right off the top. The, the three steps for managing pain are face it, feel it, and understand it. And you need to do that in the alpha brainwave level. You say, what's the alpha brainwave level? Well, I'm sure most of you listening to this program have heard us talk about alpha. This is a brainwave level around 10 cycles per second, plus or minus a couple, a little channel in between, awake and asleep, a place where meditators go, a uh, very light trance. I hesitate to use the word trance, more like a daydreaming state, where you're conscious and alert, but you have the benefit of focused concentration. And when we bring to bear visualization or guided imagery in this focused, narrow awake state called the alpha brainwave state, we can do marvelous things in terms of acknowledging the pain and managing it, releasing it, letting it go altogether. So, first of all, understand this idea that if somebody injures you, they kneecap you with a tire iron or, or you know, you fall down and hurt yourself or you, God forbid, get in a car accident and you're injured, that pain is your response. And changing, um, trying to control or manipulate the stimulus the person that did it to you is going to have little effect or no effect on the pain. Well, the same thing with emotional pain. This is much easier to see with physical pain, more of a challenge to understand emotionally because we're used to saying things like, he made me angry or she made me feel sad and depressed or they made me feel silly and stupid. The idea that somebody can make you feel some way is understandable. Again, just like the physical injury, they may have stimulated those feelings, but the anger or the hatred, or the animosity, the sadness and depression, the frustration, whatever you're calling emotionally painful is a response just like the physical pain. All right. This is liberating. This, this ought to make you want to jump up and go, yippee. And I don't know what you're going to need to do to remember it. It's obvious enough with physical pain. Right? You fell down on the, on the sidewalk. You're going to hold the sidewalk responsible for injuring you. Right. So if somebody is upsetting you with words, I mean, there's a great... Anonymous saying no one can... Oh, I guess it's oh, actually not anonymous. I think it's Eleanor Roosevelt. I should know. I use the saying often enough. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Yeah, that is an Eleanor Roosevelt quote. I haven't used it in a while. 
Isn't that a great quotation? No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Emotionally speaking, no one can hurt you without your consent. There has to be a buy-in. Like if somebody insults you with words, they say, you're stupid. Some part of you has to believe they're right. You see? And so it's your agreement with the statement that causes the pain. Wow, that's profound. That means the next time somebody says to you, you're stupid, and it starts to hurt, you can say, wait a minute, that's just me agreeing with it. I'm not stupid. Maybe I've heard that a lot in my life. Maybe my mother or my father or my older brother or the kid up the block or I had this one school teacher that used to talk to me that way. And yeah, I remember a time in my life when I was younger when I believed they must have been right. I have some evidence for it, (laughs) right? But I don't agree with that anymore. I'm not a stupid person. And all of a sudden, you're bulletproof. Boing, that stuff bounces right off. And the person that wants to hurt you could say it again. And you're ugly too. Boing, it bounces right off. Yeah, whatever. You see how powerful that is? So understanding is the secret. Understanding, taking responsibility, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain. This is what we're going to talk about today. To face it rather than resist it to face it, to embrace it, to feel it fully is the way to release the pain. Uh, that, uh, that clearly is counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. Michael, you're saying, if I feel the pain fully, it'll go away? That doesn't make sense. Well, that's why so few people understand this. It actually does make sense if you realize what pain actually is. Pain is a receptive, uh, let's see, let me find a slide here and see if I can bring up a slide for you with my definition of, of pain here. The early warning system of our human survival instincts, whether physical or emotional, the perception of pain is usually the result of injury, illness, or unhealthy thinking. Now, again, let me be clear. The injury, the illness, that makes sense. Unhealthy thinking, well, he must be talking about emotional pain. Actually, unhealthy thinking does cause emotional pain, but it can also cause physical pain. There is a mind-body connection, you see. There is somatic medicine, so-called, this whole field of somatics, which is about the way in which the mind influences the body. Now, the reverse is true. What's happening in your body will influence your mind. What happens in the world around you that's not even connected to you can influence the mind. But the mind is supposed to be in charge, whether it's responding or initiating The mind has the ability to agree or disagree. The mind has the ability to choose its response. But the mind can definitely make you sick, and the mind can cause pain. The mind-body connection, something we're going to talk about in depth this afternoon.
The mind-body connection can be the source of your pain, a belief, an attitude, or often, as I'll describe later, the failure to address a feeling from childhood, particularly rage and anger, humiliation, that you're not feeling and never really addressed and then forgot about. The funny thing about psychosomatic pain, psychosomatic or mind-body pain, is that it's not what you're thinking about or not what you're feeling that causes the pain. It's what you're no longer thinking about and maybe never did feel fully. You know, when you're a little kid and you're humiliated, often by your parents, the source of life and love, and the people you're trying really hard to please, uh, though it could be, as I said, uh, you know, a sibling or uh, uh, some bully up the block or a school teacher, some authority figure. When we're little kids, we do not have the vocabulary to express the pain, the hurt, the humiliation. Plus, we don't really understand it. We don't have the, uh, the capacity to really understand the way in which we've been hurt, or to consider the possibility that we're being abused by these authority figures and they have really no right to talk to us this way. I remember as a child accepting that I was inherently inferior because I was a child. Now, I'm not sure anybody ever said that to me directly. Michael, you're a little boy and therefore inferior not as good as adults. I doubt anybody ever <laughs> was that candid about it. But I do remember uh, some incidents like having to drag a chair over to the countertop so that I could climb up onto the chair and see what my mother was doing on the countertop. And I remember thinking there was something not fair about being so short. I wasn't short. I was, I mean, I was a child. I was, I was short as the result of being a child, right? And that just felt inherently unfair. You know, when kids act out the terrible twos, or they learn to say no, or you hear a child say, you're not the boss of me. This is a process of individuation where the child is recognizing, to some extent anyway, this inherent unfairness. And so we've all got issues from childhood. I, I don't care. You could have had the, the best parents in the world. You know, one a saint, the other one a Ph.D. psychologist uh, specializing in parenting, and you're still going to have issues. <laughs> it's just everybody does. And if those traumas are locked away as part of a defense mechanism that worked at the time and allowed us to get through that period, and they fall into the unconscious, never fully expressed, because we didn't have permission to speak, we didn't have the understanding, we didn't have the vocabulary, and then we forget about them. Those old traumas, those old hurts, though they're essentially emotional in nature, can manifest in the body as physical pain. 
somebody who's done a lot of work on psychosomatic medicine recently, and my wife Doreen has pointed this out to me, she's read several books by a Harvard-educated medical doctor named John Sarno, S-A-R-N-O, Dr. John Sarno. And he coined the term um, TMS. I think it's tensiomyositis syndrome or some such thing. Uh, basically, it's mind-body syndrome. It's, it's mind-body medicine. It's increasingly the medical establishment is expanding its model and recognizing that there's no separation or division. It's not the mind or the body. It's <laughs> the mind and the body is really one thing, and they work together. So increasingly, doctors are going to have to look at physical pain and emotional pain as related in every case to some degree to our thinking and in the terms of physical pain to our thoughts and our emotions. If you think of the trinity in human beings as the mental, emotional, and physical nature, that's the father, son, and the mother in the physical body. The mind is the father aspect, and the emotional nature is sort of like the son, and the physical body is a lower correspondence of what religious people, Christians anyway, call Holy Spirit. That's the mother aspect. And so just as there is a divine trinity, there's a lower correspondence in man. Your thoughts, like divine will, your emotions, like divine love, your physical body, like the whole universe around you, the body of divinity. And you can't separate those. You cannot separate your thoughts from your feelings, from your physical condition. They're all interlinked. If you change one, the other two are going to be affected by that. Okay. Let's do a quick meditation. Close your eyes and relax. Take a couple of slow, deep breaths. And create and sense a feeling of relaxation. Feel yourself softening like butter on a warm day. And after two or three or four nice, slow, deep breaths, ah, feel the letting go. Allow your breathing to find its natural rhythm. And just reflect for a moment on how thoughts can generate emotional feelings that often we feel the way we feel because of the way we've been thinking, not so much what's happening in the world around you, but because you've been thinking stressful thoughts. And consider times that the reverse is also true, kind of a cycle or a loop where the feelings that you're feeling then affect your thinking. And round and round it goes, thoughts affecting your feelings and your feelings having an effect on the way you think, which then reinforces or changes your emotions, which then reinforce or change your thinking and the impact that that has on your body. If your thoughts are positive and life-affirming and the feelings reinforce it, 
your body will be healthy and vital and alive and largely free from pain and discomfort. If, on the other hand, you wallow in self-pity, you suffer, but not fully. You resist feeling fully and understanding the emotion. So it creates a set of thoughts that then, like rationalization, reinforce the emotional hurt and create even more negative thinking. How could that not be reflected in the physical body? You see? As some sort of pain. And the doctor comes along and does an X-ray or a CAT scan or an MRI and says, well, this must be the cause of that pain in your back. But in fact, the pain in your back may be worries about money or not being able to support yourself. Okay, These migraines may be the result of anger and hostility and feeling like life is unfair and you always get the short straw. So think positive thoughts and radiate love. More positive thinking, more love. Be generous and kind. Do for other people. That's a great way to get turned around, and your body will be filled with that love and light. The pain will go away. And this is called healing. And certainly there's more to it, but this is just a touch. Take a nice slow breath. And now exhale, ah, feeling great, wide awake, alert, back in the room, eyes open, feeling fine, better than before. Well, that's our little intro for the Mystery School. Now, see if you can join us at the premium training just two or three minutes from now. I'm going to run over there and get the PowerPoint slides all ready for you. And if you haven't registered yet, you can get the URL and the password at the Ageless Wisdom. Dot com, include the T-H-E, the W's dot theagelesswisdom.com. Click on webinars, then premium training, enroll with your bank card, and you'll see the discounts there. And we'll see you in a few minutes. Join the rest of us for the premium training as we continue our exploration of releasing pain, both physical and emotional. How to feel it, how to face it and feel it and how to understand it in order to release it. The three steps to releasing pain in the premium school. In any event, thanks a lot for being with us. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. Aloha from Maui, Hawaii. This is Michael Bennett.